Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson. Welcome to The Backstory. In each episode, we'll be hearing about an experience that has happened to someone that shaped who they are. 30 minutes that remind us that everyone's dealing with something. So we're a documentary podcast, a docupod. Except you made that word up. This week, we're delighted to be sponsored by Paola Comiskey, decorative artist. Paola specialises in decorative techniques such as gilding, marbling, graining murals and trompe l'oeil. If you're looking to create something unique in your home, then get in touch at paolacomiskey.com. Just follow the link on our website. Today's backstory, A Targeted Assault, comes from Sheila. It's her account of experiencing rape and what happened afterwards. The rape happened when Sheila was 62. It's a very difficult story to hear, and to be honest, a difficult one to tell. But like all our stories, we think it's one that needs to be out there. It's told in two parts, part two next week. Our usual heads up, this is not suitable for everyone. We haven't included all the details of the rape, but it remains a tough listen. Numbers for helping organisations are on our website and in the show notes. All the names you hear are pseudonyms. Susie went to meet Sheila in her home to talk about what happened. I'm 70 now and I'm a granny. Never in a million years in my wildest dreams did I think anybody could ever do that to another person. I know why I've come here, but the setting is incongruous. A cosy house, freshly decorated. Sheila was a nurse from 1971, taking a break to have her three daughters. She's a very hands-on granny. There are toys in the corner for her grandchildren to play with. It's quite an in-your-face reminder that rape can happen to anyone. Something that I know, and you know, of course, but we can kind of know things without really taking them in. The chances are that you know someone or any number of people who have been raped, and of course it might have happened to you. It's so common, and that astounds me because it's horrendous, This is Sheila's story of what happened to her and the fallout. Sheila and her partner of two years, Jim, had been invited to a party. It was at the home of Bob, who's a relative of Jim's, but we're not saying which relative. Sheila and Jim were staying the night with them. 
and I was quite looking forward to that. I was at work in that morning of the party, and when we fin- when I finished work, Jim and I drove down to where the party was. When they arrived, they were shown their bedroom, and then they went down for some drinks. Sheila was tired after work, so she didn't drink much, and after a while told Jim that she was heading upstairs for a quick nap. After a couple of hours, Jim came upstairs and asked whether she was ready to come down, and she was. And I felt rested then, so I went back down, and the party was much more lively. It was dark, there were more people there, and people were drinking. And I sat and ate and talked to some people. Some people, I think, were just dancing a bit in the garden. It was in the garden. And then I noticed that Jim did not look himself at all. Sheila knew that Jim could normally hold his drink pretty well. But this time he seemed well and truly out of it, drunk and drowsy. In fact, he almost looked as though he'd been drugged. With help, she managed to get him upstairs and into their bedroom. Went down like a big tree fallen to the ground, just hard on the floor. Because I'm a trained nurse, I suppose I did manage to manhandle Jim onto the bed. I felt a mixture of things. I I felt worried, but I also felt partly annoyed because I was at a party. He'd come to get me to go down and have a nice time with his friends and um, his his and see talk to the other people there and and now he he'd done this so I felt a bit annoyed and but I made him comfortable put him on his side and thought I'll come and check on him and I'll go back down and because I was so looking forward to this party I thought I'll go back down and and I'll enjoy myself and I'll talk to people, Um, which is what I did. By this time, it was busier, and she noticed that people were getting pretty drunk. Now that she'd had a sleep, she decided to have some wine. I um, said to the host, Bob, I'll have a drink, and I think he he was happy to oblige and, and said, come on, let's have a dance, and... And I remember at that point looking around and thinking, where's his wife? Where's the hostess? And I couldn't see her anywhere about, um, which concerned me a bit. And I thought, oh, well, perhaps she's not feeling very well. Perhaps she's gone to bed or gone somewhere. But she certainly wasn't wasn't there. And I just kept having another drink then. But I wasn't drunk. There would be nothing wrong if you had been drunk, would there? No, there wouldn't. And um, at one point, Bob, when he was dancing with me, kissed me. And I thought, not a lot of it, because he was a relative of, Jim's and I thought he's just given me a kiss because he's happy for Jim and I being engaged to be married. He kissed you 
And was that, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry if this is a difficult question, was mm. that a sort of, was it a kiss on the lips? Was it, did did you feel at that stage that he was kind of overstepping the mark or did it feel like a sort of friendly gesture? What was that like? It was a bit worrying because it was on the lips, but he didn't pursue that. And I went and sat down and talked to one of his friends who I found quite lively and quite good to talk to and enjoyed talking to him and, I have to say, smoking a cigarette. But I suppose, looking back, I was being given more and more wine. Your glass was sort of being topped up. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that people were starting to leave the party, neighbours... The man I was talking to said, let's go and... This is awful, this sounds terrible. But he said, let's go and look round the garden. Why does that sound awful? Because I thought, he's the man, he's saying, let's go for a walk round the garden, and I've had a lot to drink, and he's he's a really nice-looking man. And so, very aware of that, I said, oh, yes, I know what you mean. I'm not doing that. But we can stand here and we can look at the moon and just have a look round, if you like. But we did walk round the garden and round to the side, where the tables and chairs were outside, there were some tents in the garden, which I asked about. And he said, he said, Bob had put them there in case people wanted to stay the night. But then he said, why don't you come in the tent with me? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. And at that point, somebody from the party, not not Bob, came up to where I was with Colin, this was the name of Bob's friend, and said, um, come on. Sheila, let's go back to the party. And I thought, oh, good, someone's come and got me out of this situation. So I went back down the path to where the lights were and the drinks were and had another drink. And um, then I found myself with the same man again, Colin, who said, come on, let's go down the path again. We went towards the tent again and um, he, I let him kiss me because I'd had a lot to drink and he was, well, good looking if you like. And then he kind of fell into the tent and pulled me down into the tent with him, on him. And... Um, I was a bit, well, a lot worried then. I thought, I can't can't let this happen. But at that point, Bob came along up the path and said, come on, Sheila, let's go back. And I was really relieved then. I thought, good, he's, he's come to get me out of this tricky situation. And I had had a lot of wine to drink by that time and I did feel a bit squiffy. 
Sheila went back to the house with Bob and Colin. By this time, the party had wound up and people had gone home or crashed out elsewhere. It was just the three of them remaining. Bob offered Sheila another drink, but then things took an unexpected turn. Bob suddenly grabbed me and pushed me over one of the tables. And... um, kissed me and started to, well, assault me. What I've edited out is the very, very long pause here. This is not an easy thing for Sheila to talk about. So I was pushed over the table by Bob and Colin was just standing there, but Bob was undoing my clothes and he put his hands down my clothes and was pushing and pushed me to, pushed me away from the table to where a chair was and pushed me onto my knees. He undid my clothes and he got me in a hold where I couldn't move. He'd got my... One hand was pulling my head back and holding my hair. And I just was, by this time, very frightened and in complete shock. I I just couldn't move because of that and because Bob was holding my head by my hair and I was in pain. He'd also got my arm twisted round my back. We're not playing the details of what happened, but Sheila told me. She was subjected to an attack that was both brutal and degrading. I just thought, this is it. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In a terrible situation here, isn't there anybody about who can come and help me? Can't somebody see or hear what's going on I just thought if I didn't do what he wanted me to do I could die here I couldn't imagine that happening to anybody in their wildest dreams and there it was happening to me and and then I remember getting up and being told to sit in the chair next to Colin all the time Bob is saying the most dreadful things to me about how he's has got control of me how whenever I go and visit him and his wife again I'll have to do whatever he tells me to do I'll have to get my partner drunk so that he doesn't know what's going on and I'll have to do with other men what he wants me to do um, because I'm a dirty little slut which is what he told me to say. The assault continues. It was physical and verbal. You just can't imagine the dreadful things being said and then he said, I can go now. And I, I felt so drained and terrible at this time. I stood up and went to retrieve my underwear. But just as I did that, I noticed Bob put them in Colin's hand and say, they are, mate. And I knew that he'd given them there to him as a trophy. So I just put my outer lower garments on and walked through the house in a lot of pain and walked up the stairs. And as I was walking up the stairs, I looked out the window and I could see them both sitting there where we'd been and Bob was looking relaxed and I heard him say to Colin yeah you can take half a dozen women and if you work hard you'll get one of them and I really worked hard on her and I heard those exact words and I knew then that I'd been targeted, set up. Sheila got into bed with Jim, who hadn't woken up. She and Jim were up early the next day as they were heading off to an event. They went downstairs to breakfast with Bob's wife. Sheila felt she couldn't tell Jim what had happened. I just felt so sad. I I knew I I couldn't say anything to him and and I spent the day at this event, just with a blinding 
headache and pain everywhere, thinking all the time, he shouldn't have done that to me, he shouldn't have done that to me. You said that you, at this stage, you couldn't tell Jim. Was it because you were worried about them being in the same house or was it because at this stage you just did you know that you wanted to tell Jim eventually or did you at this stage just feel that you couldn't tell anybody you couldn't kind of vocalize what had happened it was a very strange feeling because I didn't want to tell Jim at all because I didn't want to upset him But I knew that I would never, ever be able to go back to Bob and Melissa's house ever again. So I knew that if I didn't tell Jim, he would want to know why. I felt I just couldn't tell anybody. The word rape never entered my mind. I just don't know. I think I must have still been in shock because I didn't think of the word rape, I just kept thinking, he shouldn't have done that to me. That was wrong. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't think I could talk to anybody because I felt so ashamed of everything that had happened. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed. I felt I shouldn't have let myself get in that situation. I shouldn't have drunk, but I trusted those people and I never dreamed that people could do such things. Never in a million years in my wildest dreams did I think anybody could ever do that to another person. And one of the things that struck me when you were describing it was that it wasn't just it wasn't just what was physically done, it was the words that were used as well. It was verbal rape, if you can imagine there is such a thing, but yes, it was verbal. It was as bad as and as shocking as the physical things that were done. I honestly don't know how she did it, and I'm not sure that she does either, but Sheila somehow got through the day and eventually got home. Jim went back to his house and Sheila was alone. And I just felt as if I wanted to die. I couldn't tell anybody because I was so ashamed of everything. Yet I couldn't live with not telling anybody. So for that reason, I just wished I wasn't there and I wished I was dead. The next day, Sheila had what she calls a granny day. She took her granddaughter out for the day. Her daughter had commented on how she didn't look well. Her granddaughter was full of beans and Sheila struggled for the whole day. And then things in my mind got a lot worse. And I rang my very best, closest friend up. And she was busy at the time, but I said, can you just give me a few minutes? I just want to tell you something. 
Bridget, her name is, and I said, Bridget, something happened to me. Can I tell you what it was? And she said, yes, I'm listening. It's a recurring theme in our stories. Friends are amazing. This is Bridget. And I said to her, Sheila, you've been raped. She just said that word. She just said that word rape. She just said, Sheila, you've you've been raped. You've been raped. He can't get away with this. Bridget came straight over. She was comforting and clear from the start that she needed to find the right support for Sheila. As a friend, I could give her support, but not... I'm not a professional, so... Yes, I was I was very sure that she needed um, some support. I asked Sheila what her thoughts had been about reporting the rape. I didn't think I could report it. I didn't think about reporting it because then, obviously, Jim would have to know and my family would have to know and they couldn't possibly know. That would be awful if they knew because that was awful what was done to me and I wouldn't want them to have to know about that. Bridget searched the internet and found details of a sexual assault referral centre, or SARC. Where um, she said I could get help, I could tell professional people what had happened, they would tell me what I could do and they would look after me. The Sark advised Sheila that if she had the clothes she'd been wearing during the rape, she should put them in a clean plastic bag and bring them with her. Strangely enough, I felt so disgusted with those clothes, those beautiful new clothes, my lovely, lovely shoes. I'd just thrown them in a corner in my bedroom So they were there, um, untouched. Sheila and Bridget went to the Sark. And we were greeted by two or three professionals who were very sympathetic, who listened while I relayed the whole story again and explained to me that I didn't have to report the rape to the police, but in case I ever changed my mind... They would do swabs, specimens, and keep my clothes in a sterile environment in case they would ever be needed in a future investigation. So by going there, you weren't you weren't obliged to report it, but basically what they were doing was gathering all of the evidence and then you could decide at a later stage, whether you wanted to go ahead with reporting it and that evidence would be there. There were 31 different swabs and specimens taken from my body and all bruises and marks on my body were drawn on a body map and I was given an appointment to go to my local hospital to have tests done for um, diseases and HIV. The whole process took about, well, took hours, took over six hours. How did you feel they handled that process? How was it having those swabs taken? I'm glad I went there because I felt 
I felt better for going there. They made me realise the seriousness of the assault. I didn't ever think about it before or realise it before, but rape is the second most serious criminal activity to murder. And, and I can remember while I was being assaulted that I thought I might die and no one was there to help me, so I understood a lot. But because they said all those things to me, it made me realise that I should report it to the police. And the next day I took myself to the city and walked into the police station and said, I want to report a rape. Next week, we'll hear what happened when Sheila's case came to trial, when Bridget and Jim stand as witnesses, and Sheila has to find the right words to tell her family about her horrific ordeal. Don't forget that Susie and I will be talking about this episode in Backchat this Friday, so do let us know your thoughts before then. You can get in touch in the usual ways. Our website is thebackstorypodcast.co.uk. On social media, we are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at the Backstory Pod on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe, and if you like the backstory, then a review on Apple Podcasts really helps us. Thanks so much for listening. See you on Friday. Thanks again to our sponsor, Paula Comiskey, decorative artist. If you're looking to create something unique in your home, then get in touch at paulacomiskey.com. Follow the link on our website. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.